What's up, everyone? I'm Devin Michael, your host of the Higher Quality Podcast and co-founder and COO at Qualify. I'm joined by Brian Fink. He's here to join me for a higher quality conversation. Brian, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you. I'm glad to be a part of the program and I'm glad to be part of the conversation, especially one that really impacts candidates and, and, uh, and recruiters alike. Thanks for making room for me and space for me, Devin. Absolutely. So, Brian, you are the talent acquisition partner at McAfee, but I am going to go on the limb, but I feel very confident that I'm right, that that okay. completely undersells what you do, who you are, and I want you to tell the world kind of your story and, and who you are uh, to the company you're at today. So, so I am a talent acquisition partner at McAfee Security. We are responsible for keeping families and individuals safe online. And, uh, you know, I didn't realize how important that mission was to me until I worked at a place like Twitter or otherwise known as X. This is a, a really unique organization that's doing big, bold things, making big, bold bets about your security, your safety, your identity, how those things are managed. And about those big, bold bets, I am responsible for technical recruiting. I oversee AI, ML, generative, LLMs. I focus for, for the machine learning portion of it, neural networks. I also get real in the weeds when it comes to technology recruiting, whether it's infrastructure, which I'm working on that today. That was the, that was the call before this one <laughs> is an infrastructure conversation, building those data pipelines, those transformations, really helping the organization go from better to best and Actually, you know, better to best, I think that's one of the things that, that gets me excited about being on, on with you, Devin, is that you and your team are focused on taking organizations that are doing great things and taking them to the next level. So I'm really excited about that. And I'm really excited about the conversation we're going to have today. Absolutely. I have so many questions just off the intro and it happens every time. But, no worries. Um... No worries. But go ahead. <laughs> rapid fire. <Yeah>. Boom. <laughs> so you mentioned infrastructure. Are you talking about like what I think of as infrastructure with technology, like with my development team? Or are you talking about infrastructure of the recruiting function? So actually, I was speaking about infrastructure for the technology team, but Got also okay. I'm involved in up-leveling and upskilling our recruiting team here at McAfee, right? Nice. Um, and about that infrastructure, I spend probably like 52 Fridays a year. There are 52 Fridays in a year, right? Yeah. Um, I spend like, yeah, I spend like 50 something Fridays a year on the, in the afternoons, usually from one until five, working with recruiters to help them up level their game. I do that. It's, it's not a charge. It's just like it charges me up to help people expand their professional capabilities and really become a better recruiter in the process or recruiting coordinator or, or sourcer. Just, yeah, that's, that's the game that I play when it comes to infrastructure. Great, great call out. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so in your organization, sounds like you have recruiting coordinators and recruiters, and then there's a kind of the talent acquisition partner is a whole different thing. It, it is a little bit of a different thing because what you've got is you've got a, a mix of people who specialize in specific areas uh, that are able to double down and they're able to show the business, which I think that's important is they're able to show the mm -hmm. business that they that they know what they're talking about, that they're able to bring data to the conversation, that it's a conversation that's really driven around reality as opposed to I've got this feeling in my gut and I want to go with, my, I parted my heart. Like that's, I eat with yeah. my heart apparently, right? So this is, 
aces in their places, really making a difference in all conceivable areas. Shout out to my recruiting coordinator, Fawn. Fawn, if you're listening to this, you're one of the best in the business. We're going to talk probably about candidate experience in this interview. Fawn is one of the best and your recruiting coordinators. You underestimate the impact that they make when it comes to delivering a great candidate experience. Don't do that, recruiters. Don't do that. So you are you're truly a partner to the business, right? So I think a lot of recruiters that are listening to this, a lot of recruiting coordinators, like you said, they want to experience what it looks like to have a seat at the table and like truly partner with the business. What are the ways in which you've done that successfully? Maybe some kind of interesting takes that you have on doing that well. People are kind of overlooking at this stage. So I think it's really important that recruiters understand what the problem is that a person is going to solve, right? Like what's the challenge that exists in the business today and why are we hiring for that person? You know, so often, and I'm guilty of this too, so I can speak to it, is that we just become obsessed with putting, with like putting a hundred people to work in 300, 300 days. How are we going to make it happen? And we're just trying to put butts in seats. First off, call out that's wrong. That's the wrong attitude to have. You have to treat individuals like individuals, right? Sorry, mom. I know I should have defined that a little bit better, but you have to, you have to make sure that they're seen and heard, right? And making sure that they're seen and heard is the responsibility of everyone that comes in contact with a candidate, whether it's a hiring manager, whether it's recruiting coordinator, whether it's their onboarding specialist or onboarding buddy. And about being seen and being heard is that you have to let the business hear their own voice. Why are they making this hire? Is it because they got awarded headcount? and that they're going to expand, that's not a good reason. A good reason is this team does A, B, and C really well. What we fail at is X, and we're looking for somebody who can upskill the team and take us to the next level, Devin, right? One of the questions that I ask when I'm hiring managers specifically, managers, directors, VPs, is what? how do you assess the capability gaps on your team, and how do you move to creating to up-leveling that, that team as a whole, right? So it's proving that to the business. It's bringing data to the business and showing to the business, hey, look, on average, it takes you 92 days to hire this role. You said you wanted to hire this person yesterday. What can we do to reduce time to hire, but also make sure that we're expanding the quality of the pool of individuals that we're looking for, right? And those may sound like a contradiction in term, but if you have that really good, like, rigorous, uh, and everybody does their homework, and I'll explain homework, is that everybody has this rigorous one-on-one or like one-to-many conversation about what needs to be built and how it needs to be built into the organization. We can get we can get really nutty. We can get really granular really quickly. And Devin, I talked about pre-work, is that it's important that hiring managers, recruiting coordinators, recruiters all do work before the call. And what I mean by work before the call is you don't need to be on a call with a hiring manager trying to figure out who the hiring team is. You need to fill that out beforehand, right? So that when the recruiter gets on the phone with the candidate and we have a conversation, we say, yo, you're going to go step one. You're going to go step two. You're going to go step three, that we've parsed out all those different areas, all those different variables. So we make that a very concise, very direct approach to the candidate. Gotcha. And that is what it looks like to create a candidate journey. Right. So, you know, qualify, we play in the very beginnings, like right. very early stages. And that's part of it. But that, 
we can't cover the whole base. And really, if anyone, there might be a few companies out there that do it. A lot of every ATS says they do it, but that's a different conversation. Um, well, no, we can, we can have that conversation <laughs> is that don't buy, don't buy an ATS because you think it's going to imbue a system in you, in, into your, right. in, like build your system, find out what your problems are, dissect those problems, ask the five whys. If you're tuning in and you don't know what the five whys are, it comes from Kaizen approach to, to business uh, for project management. When you when you look at Toyota, it's how they best created best in class quality and and just ask, you know, why are we building it this way? Why are we not building it that way? Why would we use these materials? And you just go deep into it and get to that granularity. I actually have my well, I don't have it anymore. I studied supply chain in college. And so I got my green belt. I got my green belt in college. I know what you're talking about. But yeah, that's, I mean, that's a, the big thing we run into. Like, you know, I talk to recruiting leaders every day, good and bad. Like, I, and you, you can kind of tell the difference for sure because there's simple stuff like, you know, they might say, how does this speed up my time to hire? And then I ask, what's your time to hire today? And they're like, well, I don't really know. <laughs> I, I don't know. Or, or, or it's this, or it's this horrible average, right? So like, Let's put some numbers out there is that I've got data science role that I just wrapped up. It took me 106 days from the middle of July to complete the role. Uh, mm -hmm. But here's the, here's the thing is that time to hire is skewed because I opened up another rack because I found a silver medalist candidate and it took me no days to hire that person. <laughs> So my average time to fill is like 50 something days, man. Like Devin, that doesn't yeah. make any sense. <laughs> That is wild. Yeah, that is wild. Okay, we went in the weeds early, really early. It's all it's all early good. I'll pull out the weed whacker, the shovel, the scissors. <laughs> we'll get to it. Yeah. So <clears throat> we didn't start here. I, you didn't start here. I'm assuming. Oh um, no, I didn't. I didn't start here. Yeah. I was not born into McAfee. <laughs> exactly. So I have talked with a lot of people in this conversation that have started in staffing. That I guess my first question is: Is that where you started? Is that your story? not where did we begin if you were going to ask michael whaley who started with me the my same first day november 1st so that'll be 18 years in the business on november 1st is that michael would tell you well brian you already knew how to sell because you did i sold computer software prior to becoming a sales recruiter so i focused in sales recruiting on the agency side the reason i got into it it's because I had an abysmal candidate experience. I'm not playing to the crowd here, but like I was interviewing for sales roles and I was going through this agency and I was always treated like an afterthought, right? Like so much to the point that I had a final interview with the hiring manager for this one role with a pharmaceutical company that I showed up for the interview and they didn't tell me that the interview had been canceled, that they already made a hire. And like, here I was in the suit. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to knock on doors, whatever. Right. I'm, I'm walk, I'll bust through a wall. So I was like, this sucks. Right. Like, I mean, and so I dug in at Vanguard and I deconstruct, I, I went to Jeff Audette, the founder of the company. And I said, Hey man, this, this was horrible. I had a horrible experience. I don't want anybody else to go through what I went through. How can we change this? How can we make this better? 
And Jeff and I had a few conversations and we went out and we had great tortilla soup. I don't know why that sticks out in my mind. <laughs> I'm sorry that I'm making a lunchtime reference if you're doing this at breakfast. We had awesome tortilla soup and then we went out for wings. And um, Jeff said, well, I don't have the budget to hire you. And I said, why not? He said, I got this territory that really is underperforming. And I said, give me that territory. I want that territory. If I can turn that around, will you hire me? Jeff was like, I'll give you a quarter to do it. And at the 120-day mark, I went from being a 100% commission recruiter to having a small base, having an office, having a team, and building that territory. And we went from worst to first in 18 months. Dang. Okay. And so I love Jeff. I mentioned Michael. Michael's my brother in arms. Like, he told me, he was like, stop, like, he was like, stop doing all this research on the internet before you get on a phone. Just get on the phone. Just talk to the people and listen to what they have to say. And it'll teach you much faster than going to these wikis and what have you. Right. So, uh, and, and, you know, in my career, Michael and I have worked together several times. I actually, it's really weird. I brought him to Relis Technologies a year before I came to Relis. And then he hired me to lead recruiting. But it, it's just, it's a whole nother thing. Right. <laughs> um, so, uh, from Vanguard, the economy uh, stalled in, in 08 and 09. And I went on my own. I started my own agency, Point Endeavors Recruiting. We were going to focus on, and Je I did it with Jeff's blessing. He was like, hey, you can do this, but I don't want you going after sales. So first mm -hmm. we went after hospitality and we had a conversation with Ruby Tuesdays and we were doing a lot of staffing for Ruby Tuesdays. Like when I, when I say a lot, I mean, it, it initially was, we'll give you one job order to work on. Okay, that's cool. We're going to go find a restaurant manager. That's awesome. And then it was, we're going to give you 10 racks. And then they started. And then Bethany, uh, the leader at Ruby Tuesdays, she gave us, she was just like, Brian, here are 100 racks. And I was like, okay. And we, we went and we filled 78% of those racks. We filled, we got 78 managers. And so we're having... Um, we're having a call one day and she goes, Hey, hey, I can't figure out this role for, for search engine optimization and how mm -hmm. Google ads work. And I was like, Oh, we do that too. And she was like, Oh, you do? So she gave me all of these marketing roles and we had never touched them. And, um, from there, she gave us her technology roles to do infrastructure mm -hmm. and we had never touched those. So like it was like literally like, we were doing whatever Ruby Tuesdays told us to do. Like that was it. Like, and so then comes this idea of the MPC, most placeable candidate. And we started spinning out the candidates that were silver medalists from point to other companies like WebMD or Salesforce or what have you. And we just built from there. And um, I got burned out and I said, I don't think I want to do this anymore. I went I called Jeff because Jeff, I mean, I'm probably going to call Jeff after this to be like, yo, Jeff, I was talking about you for an hour. Um, <laughs> is that, uh, is that I went back to Jeff and Jeff was like, Hey, I'm worried about you. Uh, do you want to come back here and rebuild recruiting? Cause it's kind of falling apart. And I was like, yeah. So I went back and I did that for a while. I was like, I'm still not satisfied. My, my girlfriend who is now the wife, she got the upgrade um, nice. is that she, uh, we went to a wedding outside of New York and I was talking to a former client, ZocDoc, and they were like, Hey, why don't you come rebuild recruiting here? And I was <laughs> like, 
all right, sure. So that kind of started my foray into corporate recruiting. And from there, I went and uh, led recruiting efforts at Cabbage, which is now owned by American Express, uh, really scaled hard in that environment. Like we grew the, we grew the business from like a hundred people to 300 people in less than a year, went to work at Apple. I'm an Apple fanboy. I'm not wearing my, I'm not, I'm, I'm not wearing my AirPod Pro Maxes like, like Devin is. Um, I've got them. I just dropped them. Um, I, was, I was like, I got them right here. Um, but uh, I went to Apple and worked with Apple Media Products Group. So if you use iTunes or you listen to this podcast on an Apple podcast, you can type in the words Brian Fink or Devin Michael, and it will bring you back all the occurrences that we have appeared on different podcasts. Right. So like some really cool natural language processing stuff. And then, uh, I, I was at, uh, I was at, uh, AWS and I'll be honest with you. AWS is a grind. It's really hard work. And as soon as I started at AWS, I had a friend who was like, you should come work at Twitter. And I was like, you got to give me a year here, man. That <laughs> year was up and they were like hot to get me over to Twitter. I, I went and worked with some of the best in the industry, MGD, uh, Rebecca, Samantha. I mean, just like great people like Twitter. We had, we, we had, uh, Stephanie. I mean, just, I, I could go on a list and talk about Cheyenne for hours, but we had really good people and Jen and Jen and I. So like shout out to Jen. I know you're not going to listen to this, Jen, but like, if you do listen to it, everybody knows Jen is my work wife eternal, right? Like she, her and I have been friends for years. I was talking to my buddy, Steve Rath, who's over at Apple and, we were talking one day and he goes, Oh, you'll never guess where Jen's interviewing. And I said, where? And he was like, Twitter. And I was like, I am too. <laughs> and like, so um, I ran sourcing to support Jen's recruiting. And we did that for two years and we had a lot of success. And I actually feel like that led me to McAfee in a lot of different ways because it was really where I dug in and worked on information security and keeping people safe online and realized that that was a core value of mine which easily translated to my, to my birth into the organization at McAfee. So that's the, that's a 30,000 foot view. Uh, that's, that's the LinkedIn or the yeah. LinkedIn profile. Um, <laughs> and uh, beyond that, uh, I've also had a really good relationship with, with the SourceCon community, with uh, the Recruiting Daily community. I write about recruiting. I train recruiters uh, through their webinars. Uh, I have a book. I got to talk, I got to, and talking yeah. about my book just for a minute, talk tech to me, talk tech to me. Um, it is the non-technical guide to technical recruiting. It's all the answers mm. that I wish I'd had when I was becoming a technical recruiter, rather than just saying, oh yeah, Bethany, I know how to find a Java developer, which was the right answer um, <laughs> and at the right time. But I, I really wrote the book to give people the confidence and competency to be great technical recruiters. So that's, that's my story I'm sticking to, Adam. I love it. I mean, it's, you can't really beat that, that journey. Like, it's like incredible. But I think the thing that stuck out to me the most, as much as the cool positions were amazing to hear about, I was genuinely like kind of sitting here floored at the fact that you have memory, like you remembering people at every stage, like, and being able to recite over five people, generally speaking, is like impressive to be able to recognize that you didn't get there alone, I think makes you Devin, <laughs> Devin, nobody gets there alone, right? Like, you know, 
shout out to Rob McFalls. And Rob, if you're listening, so Rob is somebody you should get on the podcast. He's over, he's over, and I'll make an intro, whatever. Rob was one of the, Rob McFalls, Mike Wolford, they were great managers. They saw in me the ability for me to be bigger than myself. And they gave me every opportunity to swing the bat, right? And I think that, I think that leadership is something that is missing in a lot of experiences, right? And you don't have to be a manager to be a leader, right? Like you, you don't have to do that. You can be a leader and be an individual contributor and producer. And um, I mean, hell, when I met Michael Whaley like 18 years ago, and he was like, just get on the phone, man. I didn't realize how great a coach he was until like, until we started making placements and making money and like turning talk time into something real and legit. So started in the agency land, made my move over to corporate. And I, every time, every chance I get, whether it's a Friday afternoon or uh, a webinar with, with SourceCon or Recruiting Daily, Devin, you stand on the shoulders of giants. You've got to give back. You've got to send the elevator down and bring everybody up with you. Like, for sure. That's that. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I have a special place for that, just being like in a minority founder situation, too. Like, that rings bells for me. I was just on a podcast talking about the lack of diverse founders. Right. And I'll be specific and say like, we were talking specifically about black founders um, and how like, that's not really a a thing. And then, you know, you go into my company, which is audio-based screening. Right. And so everyone's like, yeah, this is like video. I'm like, yeah, but I kind of intentionally did it without video because of maybe a not so obvious reason, but (laughs) um, you know, there's a fear there right so well no, yeah. let's let's talk about that fear for a second right because i was on the phone actually with uh, with dana niger this morning and we were talking about we were talking about the fear that people gravitate towards sameness right because there's some kind of perceived safety in sameness right mm-hmm. and like you know i'm not a black man i don't know what that feels like i'm a jewish man i know what that feels like today in america right sameness doesn't change the world. It doesn't change the world. Like, and and I know we weren't going to talk about this, but like, if you want to, if you want to start a fire, you got to create friction. You got to rub sticks together. You got to put steel and wool together. You got to make that happen. I think it's steel Mm -hmm. and wool. You got to make that happen to get those sparks to jump into the fire. So I commend you for doing that. Thank you for being a leader. Thank you for being a voice, not just for your community, but maybe to get my community to wake up and realize that there are other voices and that sameness doesn't deliver results. So thank you. I appreciate it. I agree. One of the questions I had as you were going through is random. Were okay. you at Twitter during yeah. the change of ownership? Okay. Mm-hmm. Was, was that part of was that part of any decisions or no? Yeah. So like here's the deal. Is <laughs> it like I mean, we already talked about the wife. So Allie, if you're listening, you like I'm gonna my wife and I, we make decisions together, right? I know that Got it's, it. I know it's nuanced and whatever, but I don't just wear this ring because I'm excited to wear extra jewelry. She was like, what's going on? And I was like, I don't know. And uh, there's a team that I work with pretty closely under Leah Kistner, who uh, they were our CISO that was the trust and safety team. And trust and safety, they keep the bullies at bay. They make sure that when you report hazing on the platform or uh, bigotry, hazing is calling bigotry lightly, right? But like bullying, whatever, like 
they were the first team to go there and snuff out that fire and make sure that that shit was, shit was over. So on the first wave of layoffs, they were snuffed out also on the first waves of layoffs. And, um, you know, it's been a, it's been a year, right. Since, since I've been gone is that everybody who was a leader in a BRG, whether you were Samantha Domingo, who was a fucking awesome recruiter, and she is a pillar of the community when it comes to recruiting for veterans and military affairs and military spouses. And she was the chair of Twitter Stripes, right? They got rid of all the BRGs in one whoosh. Really? Okay. Yeah. So like, so like they didn't discriminate about who they got rid of, but they discriminated about yeah, all BRGs. That's gone. That's done, right? Got it. You know, oh, no, 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 it was random. Don't bullshit me. Like, please don't bullshit me. Do not insult my intelligence, right? Like, you know, we had, we had Twitter faith gone. We had, uh, we had Blackbirds. Blackbirds, like, come on, man. Like, this just randomly happened. Yeah. Okay. Like, Six million of my brothers and sisters and my fathers and mothers were wiped out. And it wasn't random. It was very selective when it happened in the Holocaust, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not comparing what happened in Twitter to the Holocaust, but I am saying it was very it's selective. Not yeah. It's not random. It, it, is, it, is a, it is a thing that happened. Yeah. So Allie and I had a conversation. She was like, are you going to stand for this? Are you going to be able to explain this to our daughter? And I was like, no, I I, I will not be able to explain this to our daughter that I stood by and made this happen and that I was a part of this madness. And so uh, I took voluntary separation and uh, I was talking to a few people and yeah, yeah, that's, that's it. That's it. Pure, yeah. plain and simple. Oh, respect. Wow. I didn't know that part. You did. You were not waiting for that answer. Were you? But like, <laughs> but not, like, I mean, like, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, like, you dude, know, Elon, like, Like, I mean, you know, it it just, it was really, it was really suspicious, man. You know, and I know that suspicion sometimes spurs conspiracy theories. I'm I'm willing to, I'm willing to go into the mat on that. I'm, that I'm not conspiracy theory in this shit. Yeah. I mean, I think I've, the way I look at it outside in is like, these are the people that would have stood opposed to everything that the, the acquisition was about, which is like basically allowing bullying, allowing all these things to come and live on Twitter again. So I feel like that doesn't, it well, surprised I mean, like, me that it's like that blatant, but like, it doesn't surprise me that that's like what the strategy was, I guess. So, so real quick, like as long as we're talking about this, I was really proud of the fact that Twitter had such a commitment to diversity, right? Like we talked about that in the middle of the show is that we used to have a website of a, a, a part of the, of the Twitter website that was diversity.twitter.com and it reported our diversity numbers in real time. It put, put our money where our mouth was. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it highlighted great people who were, I mean, like James DeLuca, like, and James, shout out to James. James now re- leads diversity, inclusion, equity, belonging at Nike. Part of the first layoff. Like, again, I'm, I'm, yeah, I know you're making that face too. You're like, Okay, I see you. Yeah. Like this is, but like that page immediately pulled, gone, right? And uh, it just uh, 
strange tides. Strange tides. Yeah. That's all I can say. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to call a no huddle here and go to the next segment of our show. <laughs> okay. All right. Because I feel all. like we're going to stay on it for a while. So I do a question of the week with every guest. No, right. The reason I do it this way is because you get the first chance to answer, but everyone else also gets, everyone listening gets an opportunity to answer because I put a link to a little interview that you did. And basically they get their chance to give a best answer. And if they win, they can get featured on the show and they get a gift card. So if you're hearing that, that is the instructions. But Brian, obviously you get the first pass. And so your question is, how do you ensure your candidate experience is consistently positive, even for candidates who aren't selected? I did not enjoy my time at AWS. I said it was, it was a grind, it was hard, whatever. AWS taught me a really important lesson. And Devin, it's called the two and five rule. Or the, and you can, you can Google this. Like, and what it does is it is the idea that a candidate should know within two days where they stand in the process, right? Five days that they should know five days after their final interview, did they get the job? And if they didn't, why didn't they get the job? Okay, look, that is a hard standard to deliver to. I tell candidates, if I talk to you Monday through Wednesday, I say, look, I'm going to try to give you an update before we head into the weekend. If I talk to a candidate on Thursday and Friday, I candidly tell them, Man, I hate that I'm going to do this, but I'm probably not going to be able to give you an update until Monday. Are we good? Because I know I know me going into the weekend, I want to know what's going on, right? That's number one. Number two, recruiters want to be in the yes game, but by and large, we're in the no game, right? Mm -hmm. You look on LinkedIn and you see a job that has, you see, see it where they tell you there were 1,300 applicants. There's only one job. You're going to give out 1,299 no's, okay? Right. How do you give out a no? Do you, do you have a system where you hit a button and you say, you are not a fit for this role? Or do you send them a message and say, hey, Samantha, want to let you know, you shine when it comes to this, this, and this. We decided to go with other candidates. Keep shining. Keep climbing. I reject every candidate that I talk to on a personal level. And sometimes I even get on the phone with them. I don't, I mean, like you should like, that should be table stakes. It shouldn't be a maybe. Right. But when I say like, I get on the phone with them is if you're a candidate who's gone through two or more interviews with us and you've met the hiring manager, I get on the phone with you and I say, how did you feel about this interview? Well, the hiring manager felt a little differently. This is the direction we're heading in and give them and be candid and constructive, right? Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes it goes sideways. Sometimes candidates want to argue and say, but I, but I did this. And I'm like, well, that, that wasn't the perception. Also about candidate experience, something that we had at Twitter and we've now modeled and adapted here at McAfee is that we did paired interviews and a paired interview, Devin, is where you're not, it sounds like a small panel and maybe that's what it is. But like what you would do is you would have, so you and I would jump on the call with a candidate. I'd ask them three questions and take notes. And you would ask them three different questions and take notes. And then afterwards we get together and we compare our notes to make sure that we heard the same thing, that we eliminated the bias that comes from where we come from in our life and make sure that we really heard the candidate and heard their authentic and real voice. 
right? Yeah. And that's something that we've adapted now at McAfee that I was able to successfully bring over from Twitter. Sounds like um, similar to the concept of structured interviewing or maybe an adaptation of it, which we do in a way as well. But when we're talking about structured interviewing, like people don't realize how important it is to ask, like, okay, first off, when I say ask the same question, I don't mean have every interviewer ask, why do you want to work at this company, right? Like that's Mm -hmm. (laughs) structured interviewing. Ask the same way every time. Yeah. It's like ask a candidate and be like, you know, okay, I'll give you an example. Like I'm working on this ML generative AI role is that I say, can you tell me a little bit about your research papers that you conducted in college? Okay. Undergrad, they did research in it. Graduate school, they did research in it. PhD level postdoc stuff, they did research in it. It's the same question I asked, right? Or can you tell me about how you used Python? It's the same question. It doesn't matter where you are in your career. Either you have used Python or you haven't used Python. If you haven't used Python, sorry, this is not your rodeo. Right. Yeah, exactly. I love that paired piece, though. The um, the idea that, like, you can check each other's bias, you know, because, like, it's easy to do it by yourself and be like, yeah, I'm not biased. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, that's not it's not accurate, potentially. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it was really something powerful that I learned when I was at Twitter. Shout out to MGD on that. Yeah. I'm, I've heard these names. I'm taking I'm taking all these names down. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Brian, this has been incredible. We could go, we could likely go for an hour with ease, but in the interest of your time and everyone's time, I want to wrap us up here. So I know that everyone that's listening to the show is going to want to stay involved with you, stay in tune if they're not already. What are the best ways? You've mentioned a few things that you're doing now, but what are some of the best ways to connect with you? And what are some of those resources that you have to offer the world? Okay, so real quick, um, LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn all the time. Like I've got it up right here. I've got messages that are pinging me, whatever. I'm on LinkedIn. If you want to find me on LinkedIn, find me at LinkedIn. I'm, I'm Brian Fink. And type it in and I will be the first one that comes up. Number, I'm not wearing glasses on that picture. They're in my pocket. I have somebody who thinks that's funny. Um, uh, number two, uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram and my Peloton bike, hmm. which is somewhere right behind Peloton bike. You can, you can find me on those platforms at the Brian Fink. It's real simple. I didn't make it that difficult. Um, I, I prefer to be hit up on LinkedIn. If you want to make time to talk on a, on a Friday afternoon, my recruiter hours are from one until I say one to four, but I usually go to five. So like one to five Eastern. And I'm happy to make time for anybody in our community, whether you're struggling to find a job, whether you want to do interview practice, whether you got a question about how I do something. It's free and open to the public. It's office hours with Dr. Fink. And I don't call me Dr. Fink. Shavi <laughs> Singh calls me Dr. Fink. Nice. I love it. And then you have a book. I mean, let's let's repub that. Uh, oh, let's retweet, read. Oh, yeah. Let's just talk about the. My, my wife is like, my wife is like, you sold four thousand copies of the book, and you never talk about the book. Like, <laughs> do you know? Do you know how exciting people are about the book? Okay, so I have a book. It's called Talk Tech to Me. Um, it is the non technical guide to technical recruiting. It is five hundred pages long. Right. What I recommend is I recommend that you get a marker and you get some sticky notes. Um, here's another book about cold emailing because recruiters and sourcers email people and you see all the sticky notes up in that. 
that junket. Um, so talk tech to me. Um, it's got everything about every role that I've worked on. I don't cover anything that I haven't done. I feel that that's a problem sometimes. Um, I would recommend like if you're not a technical recruiter, jump to chapter nine, page 333 and get started there. It talks about some of the things that we've talked about on this call today, Devin, is that we've talked about diversity, inclusion, equity, and I want to include belonging. I want to stress that B, not because my name begins with a B, but like there's no point of being invited to the lunch table if nobody's going to talk to you. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, like, what, like what's going on there? And, and I think the person, you know, um, who shares that lesson with me the most is, is probably Torin Ellis. If you haven't gotten Torin on the podcast, you, yeah, you're oh, smiling. He's up, All right. He's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's hiding the wings. Him. He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, he's coming. And the last thing I'd say to recruiters is, you know, you know where to find me. Just reach out. Like we'll get some time on the schedule. It may not be this week. It may not be next week. We'll get some time on the schedule. And if it doesn't have to be on, maybe, maybe it's not Friday. Maybe it's some other day. I'm, I, I've stood on great people's shoulders like Steve Rath, Steve Levy, Dean DaCosta, Shally Steckroll, Shannon Pritchett. Come stand on my shoulders. Let me hold you up in that chicken fight. Absolutely. This is awesome. Good stuff. Well, if you've loved what you heard as much as me, don't forget to like, subscribe, whatever it is that you do on this on your platform that you're listening to this podcast so that you don't miss another one of these types of episodes. Brian, thanks so much for being here. Thank you. 